Guys, welcome to the J. Scott Outdoors podcast. Today is going to be a unique episode with the guys over at dropdropflies.com. And they have a great podcast, and I encourage you to go check out their podcast at Drop Draw Flies. Uh, you can check out their website, dropdrawflies.com. And uh, I just enjoy the content that they put out. Uh, but we're doing a joint uh, shared episode here. They're going to air uh, their episode on their podcast, and I'm going to air this on the J. Scott Outdoors podcast. So, guys, I uh, hope you enjoy this episode. It's a fishing episode, which is a little different than the norm, and uh, you're going to get to hear about streamer fishing. So I hope you enjoy it. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Drop Jaw Flies podcast. Uh, today I have a very special guest, and we're excited to have Jay Scott Outdoors, who is uh, very well known in the West as being a premier hunting guide in Arizona and also gets to spend his summers in Colorado uh, guiding in, in some of the, the rivers over there. Um, Jay, welcome. Thanks, Jason. Yeah, it's great to be on and um, love this time of year, the summer, getting out fishing uh, almost every day and being on the water and kind of following the hatches and such uh, on the water. And, and uh, it's just a great time. I love the summer uh, and it's great to be on your podcast. Thank you very much for coming on. I, I really appreciate it. Um, Jay, you're involved in so many things. I apologize. I probably left out a whole litany of, of things and titles that you're involved in. But uh, specifically, uh, you actually guide uh, fly fishing out in Colorado. And we're going to have a lot of fun today talking about what uh, how, how the fishing is out there and some of the experiences that, that you're having. Um, you just said you've been following the hatches. And I'm curious to know, how are, how have they been this year? You know, um, the, the big hatch around here in the Roaring Fork Valley, I spend the summers here in Carbondale, Colorado, and uh, the big hatch of, of our valley here is the Green Drake Hatch. And the Green Drake Hatch usually comes off around uh, the 1st of July, and it starts down on the lower Colorado, uh, down by Glenwood Springs. And uh, usually you catch the green drakes right at last light, uh, and even 30 minutes, you know, uh, even an hour after it gets dark, just unbelievable fishing. And then that, that green drake hatch progresses up the roaring fork and it works its way all the way up, uh, the roaring fork up to Aspen. So it, it moves about 40 miles, uh, maybe a little bit more, um, and, it seems as though you know every couple of nights it's moving up another mile and and uh, this year the hatch was was great um, it was uh, as good as always sometimes our water uh, it a flow is still really high and uh, uh, you know then we can get some monsoon rain and such and and it muddies the water up so it kind of gets a little tricky but this year seems like the hatch uh, moved progressed up and down the valley or up the valley. Uh, very nicely and um, uh, was able to catch it uh, many nights, um, just some great dry fly fishing and then had some cloudy days, you know, around noon to two o'clock where it was cloudy and the drakes uh, came off during the day as well. And so it was it was a lot of fun for sure. Um, to clarify something you said, I actually uh, I don't physically guide here in Colorado. I just take family, friends, and uh, fish myself. 
but I'm on the water probably four or five days a week. And I actually row, I have three different rafts that I row different sizes of rafts and uh, just enjoy fishing. Uh, it's a nice break for me uh, when I'm not hunting to be able to, to uh, chase uh, trout, you know, on a fly rod. And, and, you know, another hatch that we have here is obviously the caddis hatch. Uh, the Roaring Fork is known for great caddis hatches um, and uh, also fish over in the Eagle River Valley, which uh, has uh, fantastic uh, caddis hatches. Gotcha. Gosh, that's uh, super busy. Now, when you say that you, you don't physically guide, but you take friends and family, to me, that's even harder <laughs> than the, the actual pay-for-play guide in, in a lot of ways. It's a lot of work, you know. Uh, it, it is a lot of work, but it's a lot of fun. You know, um, uh, for me, uh, just, uh, you know, taking my wife fishing, taking some of my friends that come up from Arizona. And then I've made a lot of friends here where I live. And a lot of them are uh, guys that are retired. You know, a lot of guys from, you know, 60 to 75 years old that have a lot of experience. And it's just fun to get them in the boat and you know, grill them about business. I'm, I'm my uh, everyday business. I'm in the real estate business uh, down in Arizona. I'm a real estate investor. And so I just love getting some of these older guys in the boat and just picking their brain. And basically, if I could just record, uh, you know, the, the conversation, it would make great podcast episodes. Because uh, uh, we, we have lots of great conversations about life and business and everything else. Um, while we're fishing so it's it's a lot of fun that is fun some of the conversations i've had over the years with people when you get them out on the water uh, it, it can transform people and their mood and and uh it can be just a fantastic time and in, in those conversations and the the friendships that you make with with people out on the water it's just awesome and something everybody should experience but um jay when you when you're following that uh, life cycle of the hatches out there in Colorado um, and you have somebody with you, is it their expectation? Is it just kind of the thing they want to do is just throw dries? And, and well, I, I'm a streamer junkie. Um, first and foremost, I love throwing streamers. Yes. Um, but you know, there's something about, you know, I either fish dries or I fish streamers. I used to really like the nymph fish. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, when I was kind of still in that stage where I had to catch every fish in the river, right. um, I loved nymph fishing and I've kind of transitioned into dry fly fishing and, and streamer fishing. I, I think one of the things about it is I like that interaction of streamer fishing where it's visual, um, and, and as well with the dry fly fishing where it's, you know, it's, it's all visual, uh, the water here in the Roaring Fork river is very, very clear. And uh, so you can see those fish either come for the dry uh, from a long ways away or and or if you're throwing streamers, you know, ripping down the bank, throwing streamers. My favorite thing about streamer fishing is watching the chase. And, you know, it, it's it's mind boggling to me how in our valley here in the Roaring Fork and in the Eagle River Valley, uh, when it's a cloudy day. Uh, I immediately switch to streamers and these brown trout just absolutely go into predatory mode and chase the fly. Um, and there's nothing like, in my mind, uh, ripping streamers um, from a boat drifting and 
you know, that first, uh, you know, two, three, four feet off the bank, um, you know, basically throwing the, the streamer into the dry fly pockets mm -hmm. uh, or the holding water, you know, I call them the dry fly pockets. And then watching those fish, fish actively chase streamers off the bank is, is about as good as it gets. And, you know, quite honestly, I, I kind of have a thing for chasing big fish. And it seems as though, you know, the green drakes will bring a lot of the big fish out of the river up. Um, but you catch more big fish on streamers uh, to me than, than anything else. And you know, I love fishing streamers on a cloudy day. If it's sunny, I'm probably going to fish dries, um, you know, late in the mornings, uh, early or late in the evenings, early in the mornings, I fish streamers ripping off the bank. So that's a lot of fun. Oh my gosh. It, it really is. And people that haven't experienced that, um, when you are floating down the river and you see a likely spot, you know, whether it's a drop off a ledge, an undercut bank behind a rock, you know, you name it. And you throw your, your streamer in that vicinity, you make that cast, and it's so cool to watch a fish just blow up on your on your streamer and then have it have the fish just crush it. Um, once that happens to somebody, I think it changes them to where they think about streamers more often, and often it can lead to where, where you where you had said that you've become a streamer junkie because that that's what happens when when it gets into your blood. I have known the owners of the Outdoorsman's in Phoenix for over 20 years. They are the authority on optics and hunting gear. Outdoorsman's is the leading designer and manufacturer of high-quality tripods, mounting accessories, and pack systems for all hunters. Their customer service is the best in the business. Go to Outdoorsman's.com or call 1-800-291-8065 and use the J. Scott promo code to receive 10% off any products. Phonescope is a company that makes custom-molded, precisely engineered smartphone digiscoping adapters. Photographing wildlife has never been easier. It is simple to text photos and videos from your smartphone and share them with your friends. Phonescope stands behind their product with a 100% money-back guarantee. Get yours now by using the JSCOT16 promo code and receive 10% discount on all purchases. Check them out at Phonescope, that's P-H-O-N-E-S-K-O-P-E.com, or on Instagram, at Phonescope. Yeah, for sure. I mean, one of the things I like about fishing streamers out of a boat is you're actually standing up higher than you would be if you're fishing, you know, walking wade. And so, for me, uh, you know, getting guys in the boat that maybe haven't streamer fished you know, once they understand that, you know, I go with the odd X or one X tippet and I basically tell them, I want you to throw this and hit the bank with the streamer. And they kind of look at me and I said, if you hang up in any brush at all, just yank the whole tree in with us. <laughs> right. And once they grasp the concept of throw it in there tight. And then in my mind, that first four feet off the bank, your first initial mend, and I mend downstream because I want the fly to be swimming downstream. I get more chases, uh, you know, I throw 45 across and mend downstream. And the initial strip off the bank is, is where most of the fish uh, hit. Mm -hmm. uh, once a guy grasps how that system works, in my mind, 
there's nothing that can beat streamer fishing. Uh, you know, even some of the greatest dry fly fishing, when, when you have fish that are actively chasing that fly until they eat it, um, you know, it, it's crazy. And, you know, sometimes you'll have multiple fish chasing. Uh, it's just crazy. <laughs> that is so cool. And that's, that really will, that situation will make you into a streamer junkie for sure. Um, I like that, uh, that technique that you, that you use, uh, you're floating down the river and let's say you're, you're looking to your right over to a bank. Uh, obviously you make your cast and you throw some slack in your line and then you, you make a, a downstream mend and get the fly pointed downstream and then strip it. And you're saying, um, that's where you get a lot of your, your strikes and your chases. Yeah, for sure. I think, you know, if you have two guys in a boat throwing streamers, I think one of the things that they have to do different uh, than what they're used to when they're fishing dries, when we're fishing dries, kind of everybody's casting in front. The guy that's sitting in the front of the boat is casting in front and to the right. And then the guy behind is casting like off the oar and to the front. Yes. Whereas when we're streamer fishing, I like to tell everyone to, to turn that, you know, about uh, 30, 40 degrees and cast more straight at the bank and immediately when the fly hits, throw the slack downstream. So do a downstream mend and that will immediately put that loop in the current. So it's just, you don't even have to strip it. It's going to pull the fly. If you're looking at that right bank, it's going to pull the fly downstream. And so those fish, obviously most of them are facing upstream if, if that streamer can come by them like it's fleeing from the bank, they're going to chase it out into the, you know, towards the boat. And, and most of the takes will be within, you know, right on the bank to, you know, say six feet of the bank. Um, and it's just an unbelievable way to fish. Uh, I, I think you'll get way more hookups if you do that downstream mend and get that fly swimming downriver. And I think it allows the fish, uh, the trout, to actually get the, the streamer in their mouth rather than – it's hard for a trout sometimes to swim upriver because they have to exert so much energy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is fun to watch them chase like that because they're coming towards you. But like, like you're saying, that was a good description of, of that downstream mend. And I think people uh, that got a good visual from that. And hopefully they, they get out there and try it. Yeah, you know, um, I got some of those drop jaw flies um, and went out the first cloudy night that we had. I went out and tied one on and, and was actually just walk waiting and um, fortunate to live here in Carbondale on a property that's uh, got about two miles of private water and, and went out on the Roaring Fork and just started throwing those uh big old drop dry fly and I'm not sure what size um, I got but it was a big one and um, I love the articulated portion of the fly and and, and those heads are really uh, you know they're so realistic looking uh, was able to catch you know a handful of browns and just had a smile on my face well I appreciate it Jay thank you for for trying those out I I think how how that really came to be was I've been tying flies for a long time, and once you get to a, a certain spot, um, there's always room to improve. There's always something else you can do, and and but the what I wanted to do didn't exist, and I wanted to 
just push it farther and make make a streamer look more realistic make a fish his impulses go up a few degrees on chasing and eating a streamer and so that's where the the head kind of came about and and hand painting them but uh that's so cool you had that experience where you know if you you cast these in and and uh, i would love to get out there and fish that river but you you cast these in and they do look more like a, a fish and so it's hard to get into the fish's mind, but you can just see by their behavior that they do have a, a certain response, especially when they are, when the fish are, are more inclined to eat streamers when they see one of these. I think it really fools them, uh, at least a little bit better or to a smaller degree than maybe some of the traditional streamers. So that was the hope, and that's what we're, we're building on, and we'll just keep improving on, on these designs. Yeah, and I think, too... Um... You know, I'm sure you do it, but I always tie my streamers with the loop. Um, I, I think it gives them a little more action. It seems like my hookups are are, are better when I when I tie it on a loop. Um, yep. And uh, you know, I think I'm just one of those guys. I love trying, you know, big giant streamers. Um, but I would encourage people, you know, if they're not catching fish, if they're just getting chasers. Um, maybe dial it back and go with a smaller streamer. I think, I think sometimes uh, being you know the streamer junkie world out there, it's it's just so fun to go, see as big as you can go. <laughs> um, but I think it it hampers some people in that. I think fishing a smaller streamer a lot of times you're going to get a lot more hookups um, and and a lot actually a lot more eats. Uh, than some of these big big streamers. I totally agree. It's uh, there's a lot more little or intermediate sized fish than there are uh, big ones, and so if you're throwing a smaller, uh, more acceptable meal or streamer, uh, you know a lot of the the trout that you encounter every day, you know that that 12 to 16 inch and then size fish will you'll just hook up a lot more with them, and I think people have fun, but you know, after you've done it for a while or in certain situations where there are big fish and, and they are going to eat a big meal, then it's fun to to start out with a bigger one. I always do. You probably do it too. I oh, Just yeah. for the fishing aspect, I will throw on, start out big and with our juvenile trout, which is six inches and can be seven and a quarter, depends on the, the hook configuration. But uh, if if I'm getting chased and hit on that, of course, and I'll just keep it. But if I'm just getting a lot of chases or nothing, then just like what you're saying, then I'll start to to go down in size. For sure. I mean, let's face it: big trout eat big bait fish. So I mean, the bigger the better. And it, you know, if you're targeting big fish, a lot of times, you know, throw the biggest streamer you got. Um, and you know, but I've seen I've seen fish eat streamer that's you know that they're about as big as the streamer too so i mean it works both ways it really does it's it was surprising to me early on when i was streamer fishing um stripping and and you get a hook up with a fish and you pull it in and there's an eight inch trout half of it hanging out of a, a 16 or a 17 inch fish and you just wonder trout are crazy and they are yeah. they are awesome they are there to eat and it's like they don't really care or they don't comprehend the size of meal that they're eating there it's just available and they're going to try it no matter what size they are utah hydrographics is in the water transfer printing service and they can dip almost anything into a wide range of camel patterns designs and colors 
Whether it's guns, bows, tools, rifle stocks, vehicle parts, steering wheels, cups, or tripods, Utah Hydrographics loves taking things that are general looking and turn them into something that looks fantastic. Give them a call and see what they can do for you and receive up to a 10% discount by using the JSCOT16 promo code. Visit them at utahhydrographics.com or on Instagram at utahhydrographics. Real Game Calls featuring the Elk Reel. Real Game Calls makes innovative, realistic, and easy-to-master calls using their proprietary, revolutionary design. They are located and manufactured in Gypsum, Colorado. Their calls were designed and battle-tested on some of the hardest-hunted terrain on Earth. Check out ElkReel.com. Use the promo code JSCOTT and receive a 20% discount on all purchases. Go to www.ElkReel.com. Absolutely. So very cool. When when you said Jay too about uh, mending and casting to the ban- uh, the bank and everything, casting the casting element in streamer fishing can be important and sometimes very technical. And I'm just wondering when you have your guests with you, um, have you found some effective ways to communicate uh, casting and what it takes to cast big streamers? Well, I, I like them to use a bigger rod. You know, a, I like to use a six weight rod or bigger. Um, that's one thing. Number two is I tell them all that stuff we've been talking about with your dry fly cast where you're stopping the rod up high um, and, you know, some of the 10 to 2 stuff. I'm actually a, a lot more, it's going to look a lot more sloppy. Um, I, I'm actually using the weight of the streamer to cast. Whereas a lot of times you're using the weight of the fly line. Mm-hmm. So so in my mind, a, a good streamer cast is going to be kind of a more open cast. I feel like if you use more of that dry fly cast, uh, you're going to you're going to tangle that line up where so it's more like uh, casting a bubble and an indicator, um, you know, kind of lay the rod back a little bit more. And this is just how I do it. It. it it, it may not be the, the correct way, but I tell guys to open their casts up a little bit more. And you know how when you're casting a spinning rod or a bait casting rod, you're not actually casting the fly line. You're actually casting the weight right. that's, you know, the, the, the lure that has weight. The same principle for me applies when I'm streamer fishing. I try and get guys to cast with a more open cast um, and feel the weight of the streamer. Um, you know, cause most streamers have a little bit more weight to yeah. them and it, that, that seems to help me and the guys I'm fishing with out. Whereas, you know, maybe we've been fishing dries and, and I was really focusing on a tight loop. I want more of an open, more of a sloppy cast, um, in my mind, fishing streamers. And, you know, a lot of times when I'm fishing streamers, it ain't pretty. I mean, <laughs> I got line wrapped all around me and I'm, I'm just throwing, throwing and going um but you know sometimes i'll throw it a foot up onto the bank and yank it down out of there just because i want to get it in the right spot um you know and and i'm not afraid to cast you know if i'm fishing a small stream to cast to the far side and if i hook up on a tree you know i'm just going to start yanking until that thing comes out because a lot of times my 
my leader and my tippet is so stout that, you know, I can literally uproot a small redwood. Um, <laughs> you, you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's, 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 that's another thing about streamer fishing. That's cool. I think is that you don't have to have the perfect cast. Um, and you know, as long as you can get it in the pocket and you can, and you can then, you know, have some good line management and, keeping your rod tip low and being prepared for those fish to strike and, you know, strip setting, um, you know, and the first thing people want to do is raise their rod when a fish hits mm-hmm. instead of, you know, strip set, go lower, go low with your rod tip. You're going to get a lot more hookups. I, for sure. I mean, with the bigger hooks and especially if you pull them through the rocks just a little bit and the point's not there like it was when it was brand new. If you just raise your rod to set the hook, all you're going to do is bend your rod. There's not going to be a lot of pressure to that hook into the fish's jaw. And so um, if people don't know that what the strip set is, like Jay just mentioned, it's it's not really just raising your rod like you're going to set the hook on a dry fly. It's more pointing your rod down the line at the fish and and using your line hand so you would really pinch that line and then pull it back towards your hip. And you can raise your rod, too, at the same time if, if you want, you know, do a combination or whatever. It just depends. But when I'm when I'm throwing a really big streamer, Jay, and it has like a, a two-watt hook or bigger, and I know that I've pulled it through some rocks, I'm, I'm really going to do that strip set, really set the hook with the line and not the rod. Yeah, for sure. And the other thing is, you know, when a fish is coming and chasing the fly, the first thing guys want to do is pull that fly, lift the rod out. I do the opposite. I like to keep the fly in the water. Um, even if, even if, you know, you've run out of room and, and say, you know, the fish has gotten close to you. I like to use my rod tip, just keep that fly dancing around and hopefully they'll come and take it. Um, and you know, that brings up another thing. I think, uh, tip out there for guys when they're streamer fishing is once they've thrown to the opposite bank, you know, it depends what you're fishing, but if you've thrown to, if you're out of a boat, you've thrown to the opposite bank, uh, you've made it downstream mend. I like to wiggle the rod tip too. A lot of times, uh, I'll just cat, I'll, I'll kind of get the boat where it's going perfectly, uh, distance from the bank. And in essence, there's not a whole lot of stripping. It's basically like cast, wiggle, 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 cast, you know, you're wiggling the rod tip, making that fly dance. And then I'm just ripping it out and recasting it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, you can make the fly dance by, you know, wiggling the rod tip. And, you know, y- you have to go off what the trout like. Sometimes they like just kind of a slow retrieve. Sometimes they like it to be erratic. And, and I usually play around with it till I start getting followers and chasers and, and um, you know, you know, eats. And then once I figured out if they want fast or slow, if they want me jerking the rod tip or, you know, subtle, then, then I can fish it accordingly. You bet. I mean, the trout keep us guessing and I guess it's just their way of, uh, keeping us on our toes because if they did the same thing and reacted to our flies the same way every day, they, they'd be in a world of hurt. And it's, it's just never like that. You can, just like you're saying, if you go out and you're fishing and, and you have a great day on streamers and you go home and you tell everybody, hey, get to the river, you go there the next day, it can be totally different. And so just like you said, the experimentation of the strip, the pause, the depth, uh, 
how fast you move it or if you just barely wiggle it or even if you dead drift it. A lot of those techniques have to be um, used in order to discover what the trout are going to do from day to day and how to get a good reaction from them. So uh, it, it's good to have all those techniques or those different different stripping techniques in your bag of tricks so that you can uh, find out what's going on while you're on the water. Yeah, you know, I learned something last summer. Um, I usually make two or three trips up to the green uh, below Flaming Gorge. It's about a four-hour drive here uh, from where we stay in the summer in Carbondale. And um, learned something last year. Uh, I... I took some friends up there to the green and we were fishing. We kind of had a little bit of a, just kind of a slow day on the first day and early we didn't get a lot of hits. And so I was talking with a guy there at Flaming Gorge Resort, Woody Bear, um, who uh, is a family kind of owns that place and he's uh, fished that river a lot and he works in the fly shop and he's like, you need to dead drift some boogers early. And I said, what? He goes, yeah, you need to dead drift some buggers, you know, early off your nymph rig. And so the next morning we hit the, I kind of like to go early there and kind of just go in front of all the guides so you don't have to deal with, you know, all the traffic and what have you. Yeah. And, you know, the reason they start a little later is because the, the, the hatches and the bugs are moving around. I kind of like to just get down river and ahead of everybody, but so early on, we get there just after sun comes up and tie on the, you know, put the strike indicators on with a, you know, a bubble, a thingamabobber. And um, first fly is just kind of a, a ginger colored um, woolly bugger. And then we've got like a zebra midge or something below it. And I told the guys, I'm like, all right, let's just dead drift these just like Woody said. And it was amazing. Um, just fishing, no, not moving the fly at all, fishing it just like a regular nymph rig and dead drifting woolly buggers. Um, fish were all over them. It was awesome. It was pretty cool to see that technique. I'd never tried dead drifting buggers. Yeah, that it, it is a really good technique, and especially on that river, you know, where it's it gets so much pressure. The fish are seeing streamers and nymphs and dries just galore every day through there. And I think this is only, you know, a theory or whatever, because we, we really don't know, obviously, what trout are thinking. But if they see something that looks like food and, and hey, it's, it's not moving, but it looks like food, maybe they're going to eat it because they've been stuck so many times by moving uh, ginger-colored or blonde-colored woolly buggers. And so it even uh, dead drift uh, has worked for me on non-pressured uh, streams. If, if they won't chase, then yeah, then immediately just go to a dead drift and, and see how that goes. For so. sure awesome technique it can be um streamers is i don't know how to describe it other than your your a type personality it can be an experience where you are so focused you're so in tune you're hitting every possible trout holding water that there is in the bank or it can be so relaxing where you're not that focused. It's not quite that intense. And it, it can be so many different things. Uh, uh, streamer fishing is just a really broad uh, topic, and there's all kinds of techniques and situations that you can use it in. And so I would really encourage people to go grab some woolly buggers to start out with or whatever, and go experiment with their stripping technique. And 
walk walk down the bank of the river and and just like you were saying Jay is fish the fish the bank and I want to give one tip here when you're when you're starting out streamer fishing is that what what we had what Jay had discussed in the first part of the this discussion is he's fishing right to the bank and a lot of guys don't have boats and so if you're in the middle of the river and you can cast to the bank uh, pretty stealthily but if you don't have a boat and you're and you're fishing streamers you've got to know that the fish are right there most of the time right on the the edge of the bank or close to it uh, because there's a lot of food that comes from the bank and usually they can get out of the the heavy current so fish are there and one of the key components to streamer fishing is being stealthy. You're going to be you you're going to want to stand on the bank, but you've got to hold yourself back a little bit, and and uh, know that the fish are going to be close to the bank and be quiet. Keep your movements uh, to a minimum and get your casts out there close to the bank or just maybe 10 feet from the river and then and then pull it towards the bank. And I would start off doing that. Yeah, for sure. Um, I also like to fish when I'm fishing streamers from the bank. I like to fish downstream, uh, but I think when you're fishing downstream, you have to really, really be a lot more predatorial, and you have to really kind of sneak because they're obviously uh, facing you when you're walking downstream. They're going to be looking, looking in your direction. So, um, but like you said. You know, when I'm streamer fishing from the bank, I like to wear kind of drab clothes. I like to stay in the shadows as much as I can. And a lot of times all it all it all you gotta do is just get that streamer, you know, in a little in a little pocket, in a little hole for, you know, six, eight inches and they'll come and hit it. So uh I see a lot of people they come right out and they wade right out into the river and I just think that's such a mistake because I mean, I'd say 90% of the fish that are catchable are on the bank. You know, some of the fish way out mid-river, you know, they can be difficult to catch. But the fish that are near the bank, they're actively looking for food mm -hmm. in, my, in my mind. And I think that's a great point that you make there. Yeah. Um, being stealthy and being, uh, you know, undetected is really the best way, obviously the only way to go after the big trout, unless, unless you get lucky and some people do. But if you're, if you're hunting and, and that's kind of what streamer fishing is, the, uh, walking upstream and, you know, the fish are going to be pointed upstream, so they won't see you necessarily, but it's good. If, and, and let me, let me paint this picture, Jay, if you're, you're actually possibly wading in the river, which a lot of times that uh, you have to because of the, the bank and the, the bushes and everything that can be right on the bank. But if you're in the river and you're making casts upstream, a good thing to do is if you see a fish, you don't want to put the streamer right on top of his head. Uh, sometimes if it's deep enough water, it's okay. But at this time of the year when the water levels start to go down, the, the fish are not that far under the water typically. It depends on the river and the hole. I would say if, if, if the fish is maybe two and a half to three feet under the surface, you could put a, a, a streamer close to its head. He might see it blow up on it. But if it's a foot or less, you want to make your cast maybe uh, five, five, three to five feet in front of him, five feet being the best. And uh, I know a lot of people will, will see fish in clear water this time of year, 
and they'll make a cast and it will be right on top of the fish and it will just scare the fish and they'll be gone and they'll say hey this streamer fishing doesn't work i put the, the streamer right by the fish and it just took off so i there's kind of a not a, a written rule but if you're maybe if you see the fish in two two and a half feet of water you could put a, a fly pretty close to its to its head if it's any shallower than that then plan on making your cast uh three to five feet above it i think it's a great tip um there's so many things to cover <laughs> with, <laughs> with streamer fishing. It's pretty crazy. But, Jay, what, what has been, in, in your memory, what's been your best day? What was it like? Real game calls featuring the elk reel. Real Game Calls makes innovative, realistic, and easy-to-master calls using their proprietary, revolutionary design. They are located and manufactured in Gypsum, Colorado. Their calls were designed and battle-tested on some of the hardest-hunted terrain on Earth. Check out ElkReel.com. Use the promo code JSCOTT and receive a 20% discount on all purchases. Go to www.ElkReel.com. GoHunt.com Insider is by far the most valuable tool a Western hunter could give themselves. GoHunt.com Insider are the industry leaders and number one source for Western hunting for a lot of reasons. GoHunt.com Insider have changed the game for how hunts and hunting information are found. Within a matter of minutes using filtering 2.0, you'll be able to filter by state, species, residency, odds of drawing a tag, specific hunting dates, and harvest success percentages to find the hunts that fit exactly what you're looking for. If you are a guy that applies across the West or just in your home state but want to find some new opportunity, there's no better way to do it than using GoHunt.com Insider. As an exclusive offer to my listeners, if you sign up for a GoHunt.com Insider membership for $149 a year and use the promo code JSCOTT, at checkout, you'll receive a $50 Kuyu gift card. Head on over to GoHunt.com forward slash insider and get yourself the most valuable membership a hunter could have. You know, I, I can think of a lot of great days streamer fishing. Uh, it seems like the ingredient for me is always clouds and cloud cover. Uh, you get rain. Uh, I love it when it starts raining. I immediately switch to streamers. Uh, if 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 I see a cloudy day, I have the fortune of, you know, being right here on the water for, you know, 100 days or more here in the summer. And, I, you know, I'll look at the forecast for the next day and I'll see, you know, whatever window that, you know, uh, you know, like today between three and five, there's supposed to be clouds. Um, I will target those times to go out and fish when it's cloudy because being a streamer junkie i love you know i i get way more eats and way more takes um when it's cloudy i get a lot of chasers when it's sunny um and i catch a lot more brown trout than i do uh rainbows we don't have many cutthroat around here um but the browns just seem to thrive uh on the streamer when it's cloudy um and my best days you know it's 
I don't know if you're talking size or numbers, but you, some of the best numbers as far as putting fish in the boat and, you know, bringing fish in, uh, is, is for sure cloudy days. And I feel like with a streamer in the right conditions on cloudy days, I can catch more fish on a streamer than any other fly. And that even includes, uh, when the fish are really looking up for dries, um, I can catch every bit as many fish on a good cloudy day with a streamer as I can, uh, you know, when there's a real good hatch and I'm fishing dry flies. So, um, you know, I encourage people out there that if they haven't got into streamer fishing, um, you know, target those days when you see that the weather's going to be a little bit, you know, crappy and, and, uh, you know, you might have to bring the rain jacket. That's when those fish are in my mind going to be more predatorial, um, and going to be really, really active, uh, for those streamers. And I, I don't know what it is about the sun, um, and you may have different experiences, but it just seems like on cloudy days, those fish, the, the browns particularly are way more active chasing the streamer. Um, I don't know if that answers your question. Well, no, uh, yeah, any day you get out on the water is probably awesome, but, uh, I don't know what it is either, but why trout like, uh, the cloudy weather, whether it's, uh, I'm sure it has to do a lot with they don't like the the bright light as much, especially the browns. They're pretty sensitive yeah. to it. But um, I I think that's a great point too. Like the other day we were dry fly fishing and it was bright and sunny and there was a PMD hatch and you know the same river where a couple days before you know we caught a bunch of browns. It was cloudy. We fished dries. We fished streamers starting out and fished dries and and um caught mostly browns you know a couple days later it was bright sunny pmd you know 12 o'clock to 2 was a pmd hatch and we caught 90 percent uh rainbows i think the browns they don't like to look up when it's sunny uh whereas i think rainbows don't care as much when it's when it's bright and sunny the rainbows will eat mm -hmm. and it's just it's just interesting to see the different characteristics of of those two fish and how they differ um, but for sure, I love brown trout. They're my favorite. And so cloudy days are days that, that I just, uh, relish and, and cherish. <laughs> that is so awesome. I got to, uh, see or, or get you another fly, uh, uh, Jay and, and, uh, send some, maybe a different color or something like that and, and just try it out out there. Um, love to get out there and fish. Next time you go out to the green, let us know and maybe we can meet and, collaborate on a different pattern or something like that yeah that'd be fun you know um usually i get out there multiple times in the summer i haven't even made it up there one time yet this summer uh usually i go for the cicadas and um the cicadas just kind of really never happened this year and um you know they had that big flush and big high water push there and um you know then our fishing here started getting good so i just didn't make it up um, I, I may make it up here, uh, sometime later this month here in August and, uh, you know, see if the hoppers are, are, are working up there. And, and, um, I love that river. Uh, you know, it's probably got more trout per mile than any other, uh, river around. And, um, you know, it, it's, a, it's a phenomenal place for sure. It is so pretty. And, and in the summer months, especially, you know, when the kids are out of school until they go back to school, it probably has more person, people per mile on it than yeah. a lot of the other rivers too. But I am with you. I, I love it. 
um, and that fall time all the way up, well, it, you know, and it'll fish all the way until it maybe never quits fish. You can always catch fish there, but you know how you really like the brown trout, probably that September and until November or the, or maybe the start of December is just really incredible. So if you go there, let us know, we can meet and go catch some fish. That sounds good. Yeah. You know, um, a lot of times, uh, uh, several times here we've gone, my wife and I, uh, spend right here in Colorado and then uh, we've gone several years. We've gone up to Jackson Hole, Wyoming for the month of August. And, you know, one of the things about going up to Jackson Hole areas, you know, with the green and the South Fork of the Snake and, and the Snake River, um, just about the time we're leaving, because I'm an elk hunter. And so usually I'm back in Arizona by September 1st. Everyone's looking at me like, you're leaving? You're, <laughs> you're just about to miss the, you know, September, October, November, the three best months. And, you know, you're, you're going to go hunting and, um, it kills me to go. And my buddies up there, you know, I, I get a lot of great photos and such of, of the action that I'm missing there in the fall. And that's kind of part of being a hunter is, um, you know, I miss some seasons for sure. Um, but, uh, that, that's a neat area too, as well up there, that Jackson, Wyoming area. It's just a phenomenal area to fish. It is that that's probably one of my favorite uh, rivers to float because especially if you float it through the park and to your right is the, the Tetons. And as you're flowing through that park, it just feels like you've gone back into, in time to where, uh, you know, the West was just wild and unpopulated and it's just a, a super cool float. Not to mention the fishing can be just awesome. Yeah, you know, um, the uh, the last time we spent, two summers ago, we spent the month of August there. And, you know, when we first got there, the actual snake was really high. Um, and, you know, I kind of was like, I, you know, what's all the buzz about about the snake? And, um, you know, a lot of little cutthroat and, and um, it, it was an interesting uh, kind of couple weeks. And then as the water really came down and all those pockets started opening up, um, you know, the last few days there, the fishing was amazing. And so I, I can see what the buzz is about the snake. It's, you know, one of the most beautiful rivers, I think, in the world that I've been to. Um, but once that water level dropped, uh, it was it was amazing to see all those cutthroats, the, the Snake River cuts, really out um, actively chasing big foam flies and uh, just had a lot of fun. One thing I learned there is in in my, just what I perceived is those cutthroat, they, they come from the bottom and go straight up, whereas a brown trout and a rainbow trout will move a long ways linear. Mm -hmm. I found that those um, cutthroats, particularly those Snake River cutthroats, um, they, they would sit low and, and rise vertically quite a ways to go for a fly. But, you know, like they wouldn't move five feet laterally for a foam fly. So it was pretty interesting to see that, you know, your fly, your drift and such had to be, you know, kind of right down the line or else they'll just let it go by. Whereas a, a rainbow, you know, here in the Roaring Fork Valley might move four feet out to grab a fly. So that was, that was a, you know, I don't know if other people have perceived that, but that, that was uh, one thing that I took away from there is that those cutthroat move a lot more up and down 
uh, rather than linear uh, on, a, on a linear line. Yeah, I think um, it has a lot to do probably with their the way they can just angle their pectoral fins and just kind of ride up and not use a whole lot of energy to go back and forth. And uh, you know what? Those fish get pounded too in the summertime. And a lot of people will say, hey, cutthroat aren't very smart. They're the dumbest trout, blah, blah, blah. But when they get pressured and, and they've been stuck a few times, they get as smart as the rest of the fish. <laughs> they, yeah, for sure. Yeah, they can be really uh, smart as well. Um, beautiful area too, Jay. I'm glad you brought that up. It's just a great place to fly fish. The tradition there is high, and it is eye candy. Everywhere you look up there is just beautiful. Yeah. Now you guys are headed to Montana today. Is that right? We are. So we're going to go up there and spend some time with uh, uh, at the International the Federation of Fly Fishers uh, International. They used to call it the Conclave. Now it's the fair. So we're going to go up there and spend some time, uh, meet some people and do some fishing along the way. And uh, yeah, it'll be a good time. We'll be gone for a week. That's awesome. I love Montana as well. There's a lot of great places to fish there. And uh, the, the, the community, the fishing community is awesome um, as well. So you guys will have a great time. Yeah, it, it is fun. There's people from all over the world there sharing ideas uh, with casting, with tying, with techniques and uh, stories. It's, it's a great time. Uh, it's a great uh, organization to belong to or to follow. Uh, there's so much there to learn. And so, yeah, uh, along with Trout Unlimited, uh, the, the FFF or Fly Fishing Federations just or Federation of Fly Fishers is the official name. But it's a good one to to be a part of. Yeah, uh, Jay, we'll have to, to uh, continue our streamer discussion, you know, hopefully again before uh, <laughs> you break off and you're hunting hard. But uh it would be fun to get together, and this is just an invitation to you that we would like. Uh, we'll bring some uh, drop jaw flies and uh, have you catch some big fish on them next time you're out on the green, if, if that's possible. That's awesome. I appreciate the invite. I love the flies. Um, love following you guys on Instagram, and um, keep up the great work on the podcast. And, uh, yeah, it's just awesome to talk to guys that uh, – have this you know share the same passion and and uh let's get together for sure good luck up there in montana have a good time and uh yeah it's just been fun chatting with you will do uh, jay it was a pleasure uh, for me to get to meet you uh, via skype <laughs> we, we follow you as well uh you're a lot more well-rounded uh than i am as, as with the hunting and everything and on all the things that you're involved with and all the animals you pursue it's just it's it, kind of mind-blowing everything that you do uh thank you for having us and uh, we invite everybody listening to uh, follow J. Scott Outdoors, whether it's a blog, the website, especially the podcast. And uh, we hope everybody has a safe time out there uh, this fall and all of your activities. And once again, thanks to Jay. And uh, everybody, hook a big one and stick them solid. <laughs>